You're listening to MedEx, the Medical Extrusion Podcast. Presented by U.S. Extruders. Extrude with confidence. Custom extrusion equipment designed for you and your application. Welcome to the MedEx Podcast. I'm Steve Maxson. Today's discussion is focused on early stage medical device development, and our guest is Jordan Mickleby, Vice President of Merge Medical Design Studios with offices in Nashville, Tennessee, and Houston, Texas. Merge Medical Designs, Engineers, and Prototypes, Early Stage Medical Devices. Jordan, thanks for joining us today. Yep, Steve, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Jordan, to start off, please tell our listeners the story behind how Merge Medical started, how and why you got where you are today. Merge is a creation, it's a venture studio model where we pair engineering development services with business development services to service early stage technologies to give them a better chance of commercial success. Um, and really, I, I helped uh, create the, the concept based on my own experience as a, a co-founder of a medical device company. We were developing a vascular access device. Um, it's called Lineus Medical. It's a safe break device. And we, we raised a million bucks in our seed round, and we really couldn't find the right development partner. So we got no quotes several times. I think seven to ten times we were getting no quotes from these contract manufacturer and development groups. We were two young founders, and we didn't really know where to go. So we ended up going to a kind of a stage gate partner that, that claimed to be a manufacturer, but we ended up wasting a lot of time and money because they were the only ones that would take our business. And so that happened in 2015, and really, I've been frustrated with the early stage process and what, what those technologies really need is, is a lot. Um, in that first six to 12 months of the development cycle, these, these companies need a ton from regulatory expertise, reimbursement, manufacturing, engineering, business, all, all of the things that are required to um, launch a medical device, those companies need to at least think about in the early stage. So Merge is really the foundation of that, where we prepare these companies and technologies to think about all the things when they're designing their product so that they develop the right product for the end user and are better prepared for later stage partnerships with contract manufacturers. Go into some detail to describe the early stage concept to clinical trial process and how it compares to the conventional concept commercialization process. Yeah. So I think that's one of those big, big industry trends right now. Everyone says they do napkin to manufacturing or concept to commercialization. And really, I don't think any one group can really do that. It's a, it's a huge um, undertaking to be an expert in all of those things. And so we looked at it a little bit differently of what, what do these companies and technologies need to be successful? Um, and what we thought was that that early stage up to either uh, preclinical testing or a, a, an acute or chronic animal study. So that's really what we mean when we say concept to clinic is we're doing everything from the early stage design feasibility and, and market viability and, and, really rolling out those design features and, and user requirements all the way up to that first cl clinic, you know, preclinical testing um, to really see if the design is worth its salt. How are the early stage projects typically funded? Is it through individual investors, angel investors, or venture capital? 
Yeah, it's a it's a smattering of all uh, the kind of the funding sources. So we've got some grant funded projects, either state or federal grants, um, hospital funded. Um, so research institutions that are funding innovation, angels and VCs and, and private investors, but also a lot of them are self-funded. Um, and so part of our process is to help get them ready to where they can take on either federal, state or private funds. Um, and so our, our business design and business strategy services help gear them up for an investor presentation, a, a pitch to either angel investors, their friends and family, and really think about the opportunity past like this is this would be amazing if this existed um, and, and really framing what what that is. When you look at the traditional concept commercialization process in med tech manufacturing, it's complex to manage and execute. Projects are often not on time and there's scope creep. Merge Medical has identified a problem with this traditional process and you call it the innovators gap. Uh, describe to our listeners what you mean when you refer to the innovators gap and how Merge closes that gap to successfully bring products to market. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of innovators we've found, they they come with, and this can be you know, startup teams, one to three people, or even clinician with an idea or, uh, you know, some orphaned IP in a university or hospital system. Um, there's been a need, you know, clinical needs been identified, and there's a proposed solution how that could go attacking that need. But to get from where that proposed solution is ready to even address that need in the slightest, there's a huge gap. And so really that's what we mean when we say innovators gap is there's so much work to do and to things to figure out before it really can go into advanced development. And these innovators really don't know what the best path forward is. You know, they're either clinicians or they're um, they may be engineers, but to, to uh, move a med medical device forward, you need multidisciplinary experience across the board, IP, regulatory, you know, all a business operations, all the things that you may not know. And so that innovators gap, what we've tried to do is create a network and be the front door to medical device innovation. And we help shepherd these things along, but also have a network that we can plug in when we need to. So we have a hard, complex regulatory question. We can bring in a regulatory advisor um, within network that has expertise in structural heart, something that's very technical, technically specific so that they can move it forward without kind of stumbling and fumbling. So we don't have any full time regulatory people or we try to mm -hmm. really have expert generalists on staff and innovation managers and then tap our network externally to really move these things out of that innovators gap and into an advanced development um, uh, cycle. For contract manufacturers that have broad design services and scalable manufacturing capabilities, these companies typically compete at all phases of the product life cycle. And the commercialization or high volume production, that's the gravy, right? You know, mm -hmm. maybe you on a, on a high value structural heart, neurovascular, electrophysiology application or therapy. Um, maybe you have a three year, or five year supply agreement that you agree to. Um, you have some forecasts, minimum order quantities, lead times, and it, it gives you some revenue visibility going forward. How do you look at 
at the business model from a commercial standpoint. I'm a commercial guy, so that's why I'm asking. Yeah. And, and, and maybe the pipeline or, you know, your sales pipeline compared to a, a full-scale contract manufacturer, are, are you picky about what projects, therapies, applications that you take on and, and maybe try to avoid some of the commodity type applications? How do you look at that from a business model standpoint commercially? So there's there's a ton there that we can that we can unpack. You know, we're dipping we're dipping into industry trends here and mm-hmm. um, kind of how we fit onto the value chain. But um, we have a phased approach. Um, I'll answer this first off, and as far as like business model of merge, we have a phased approach of uh, three different phases that that we that we run. Um, and so we're not really picky on the first phase because we, we truly are a service provider and we, we want to provide value to the industry to move technologies that need to be fostered and need to be in healthcare so they can actually impact care because our healthcare system is beyond broken. And that's a topic for another day, mm-hmm. but we believe that these technologies, you know, the, the hurdles are so tall that if we can provide just a little bit of incremental support, we may be able to push them over the, the, that first hurdle to get them downstream. And then that maybe actually impacts care, you know, five to 10 years down the road, whatever the time horizon may be. So that first uh, couple phases, we're not super picky on um, the, the later stage phase where we're really potentially investing in these companies, putting our own resources into them, really that kind of that venture studio model, we will mm-hmm. be picky and we have to make sure that the, the a, the team is right. And, and B, um, that the technology is right for us and, and our core expertise so we can add value to it. Um, so that, that kind of breaks down our, our three phase process is the first phase is, should you do this? The second phase is how are you going to do it? The engineering and design and execution of it from a business standpoint. And then the third phase is who's going to do it. And that's contract manufacturers, partners, who's going to fund it. And who's going to run the team? Is the team that we have in place good, or do we need to augment that with an experienced CEO or um, experienced technical expert? And then, so yeah, going to go back to kind of answering how we fit onto the value chain too, which mm-hmm. I think was kind of hidden in that question that that I'd love to tap on too. And contract manufacturers, um, they they you you mentioned the gravy. They want the gravy. They're focused on the gravy. Like that is their primary goal. The only reason they're dealing with early stage development is so they they cross their fingers and pray that it turns into the gravy, or you know, hopefully it will be the gravy one day. Yeah. Um, so really, instead of having them spend a lot of resources when these ideas are very messy and gray, we want to augment those contract manufacturers and be really the first channel of their sales pipeline so they can come to merge look at our portfolio and potentially be interested in what we've been developing and partnering with industry to help develop Um, and so they can manage their resources and augment their resources by using merge as that first leg of the commercialization relay race and we can kind of bolt on to their pipeline if we if you will does it ever create, you know, since, you know, the larger contract manufacturers, the gravy is the prize. Um, there might be situations where they're aggressive on the front end, maybe amortize NRE or, or some work on, on the piece price or, you know, the catheter piece price, for instance. Do you find yourself competing at that level where they kind of are, are 
really aggressive commercially on the front end so that they can get the business on the back end. Totally. Um, we don't, we don't compete too, too much. There have been situations, um, but at the end of the day, we're not ISO 13485 and we don't want to be. And mm-hmm. so we are, are, while our services do overlap, they're more complementary than anything. And so if a contract manufacturer is willing to work with uh, an early stage device, it would probably behoove them to go directly to that contract manufacturer instead of going to merge, you know, mm-hmm. and we can, we can add value in several other ways, like the, the investor relations piece of it or augmenting talent. Cause we do have like a, a talent portal that we've developed that as well, that that's open to be tapped. Um, and so we, we can add value in, in different ways than, than just the engineering piece of it. So I would honestly recommend that the, and if we're competing on piece price, they need to go ahead and move forward with the contract manufacturer. Cause that's yeah. a, That's a good partnership that they've got going on right there. Walk us through some of the, the best practices in regards to design transfer. In other words, once Merge Medical is finished with the, the clinical stage, are you transferring to a, a contract manufacturer that has scalability um, or that could take it to commercialization? And, and how does the fact that within that design transfer process that you're not ISO 13485 does that impact anything from a regulatory standpoint in relation to design transfer? Um, I wouldn't say uh, any design transfer is, re- is clean. <laughs> so we've got processes that make it as clean as possible. But um, as, as you're probably aware, it's a, it's a messy job um, to transfer everything over and debrief it. So what, w- what we've constructed is basically uh, a technical packet that is... Um, kind of a design history file light, if you will. You know, it's not ready to be audited by any regulatory bodies by any means, but um, it's a history of of the design and also the decisions um, from the business side that were made at each impact point. So they come with a technical packet as well as like a request for proposal packet that breaks down everything that a contract manufacturer would actually want to quote And it kind of gives an inside edge to the contract manufacturer as well, because we know what they want and we're putting it on a T for them, uh, uh, for the technology. And so that RFQ packet is super, super helpful to contract manufacturers. And they they love working with us because it it comes really well defined. And also we know how to speak that that language. And so some of the questions get answered really quickly. It, It leads to more accurate and more efficient quoting. And so we pair the RFQ package, which is an overview of, the what what the next phases are where the technical hurdles are and where we left them off any results that we saw in testing um why we made certain design decisions and what we would improve if we had endless resources or uh um expanded capabilities Mm -hmm. and so we pair that rfq with the the technical history packet of all the device breakdown, where we got all the components from and, and zip all that up in, in a transfer process. And, you know, that happens over um, several, several weeks and sometimes months, depending on um, readiness. Are there scenarios where you transfer directly to a medical device OEM instead of a contract manufacturer? Yeah, um, there's a couple that uh, we've actually uh, helped support a license agreement directly to uh, an OEM or a strategic manufacturer. We've got one that we're working on right now um, that just 
the it, it fits in a portfolio and more nicely. And this company cannot be a standalone company around this solo product. And so there are opportunities where we've helped both outline and outreach to strategic partners or OEMs to to connect technology directly to an OEM um, situation. So um, we've trying to think if we have any, I don't think any have gone, gone through directly to an OEM yet, but we, that we're working on one directly. Those are, those are hard to get the stars to align on for sure. Um, We're seeing a lot of OEMs want later and later and later stuff and more proven. And we'll sit in the nosebleeds until you're, until we're ready to move to the, to the courtside seats. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Jordan, I really enjoyed our conversation and thanks for joining us at the MedX podcast today. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. I loved it. Thank you for listening to MedX, the medical extrusion podcast presented by U.S. Extruders. Please subscribe to make sure you're getting the latest episodes. For video episodes, go to us-extruders.com forward slash podcasts. All links are available in the show notes.